0: Oh, I have no idea how I'm going to ramble on, though. I have no sense of time. Darn it. This will be interesting.
1: You don't have, like, a watch?
0: No, I don't. My phone is dead, and my computer is in the other room. So.
1: But, I mean, why do you need to know what time it is?
0: I don't know. Because how long? I have a lot to talk about. Oh. I'm just worried I'm going to ramble on and on, and it'll be too much. Or maybe not enough. I'm kind of worried. Would you Would you like a, a time check? You can ask
1: for a time check whenever.
0: Okay. I mean, I don't think it'll take that long, but okay. You want me to start? I would. I would love that. Welcome to Fauna Facts, the podcast where we talk about animal facts that you hopefully haven't heard before, and hopefully it's entertaining and hilarious along the way. <laughs> so I'm Grace. And I'm Mads. And for our dedicated followers, it might have been a while. Actually, I'm not sh- That's true, right?
1: It'll be a while for, like, the ninth one to come out, but this will be the 11th, so they will have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Oh. Okay. Well, we have been busy students and world travelers, but we are back now. And you didn't know, but it's true. So, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about from our break from each other, apparently not from you, listeners, and I wanted to talk about poly heats. Oh, Do you know what polychaetes are?
1: No, are you saying heat? Like
0: keet. Keet. Oh. So polychaetes are also called bristle worms. Hmm. They're a type of annelid worm. So do you know like earthworms and leeches?
1: Ah, yes.
0: Yeah. So they make up a little under half of the group of annelid worms. The rest of them are... Mainly marine worms called bristle worms or polychaetes. So, like earthworms, they have segments, but they also have a lot of kiti or bristles. Their sides are lined with these little stubby appendages, and on the ends of them are these bristles that they use to swim around and protect themselves. They use it to sense the environment. So, I just went crazy and looked up a bunch of different polychaetes. I got really excited. That's like, I think there's a little over 20, I think there's 22,000 annelids and-
1: <laughs> I did not know you were going to say a number that big.
0: <laughs> 12,000 are polychaetes. I don't actually write that number down, but so somebody can fact check me, but it's a pretty big number. so. We're more familiar with earthworms, but there's way, way, way more polychaetes out there. We just don't see them because they're swimming around in the ocean. Well, you're from a like a, You've lived near the ocean. So if you've seen, like, you've gone down to the beach and you've seen these little holes. Yes. And then there's, like, um, little piles of sand.
1: Yes, 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 yes.
0: Yeah. So those are polychaetes. There's some of them that live in tubes. So those are like lugworms, I think they're called.
1: Lugworms.
0: Lugworms, yeah. So they have bristles near their, where their head is, and then that species doesn't have as many. I mean, they don't live in their tube. That's, They just fill it with bristles. They don't have as many bristles as some of the other ones that are swimming around in the ocean, in the open ocean. Mm. So I was just going to talk about polychaetes, because they're pretty cool. I'm not really sure where to start. I was going to talk about mostly tube worms. Like that lug worm. But some of the free swimming ones. They're pretty cool. Because of the way they reproduce. So they undergo epitoky, Which means that they turn into. Well there's two ways. One of them their tail. And turns into this sperm or egg sac. With eyes. And a head. Uh. And then when it's time to mate, it just breaks off and they swim to the surface and kind of disintegrate. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's a really common way for these worms to reproduce. The other method is instead of the tail doing that, is the whole worm turns into that. And they swim to the surface. And sometimes they can change back to the worm, the regular asexual worm. But usually, they reproduce and die. Wow. Yeah, so it's kind of amazing, but also very sad. I think the worms that, like, just get rid of their tail, it's not that sad for them. They just sit at the bottom and release their...
1: Do they grow a new one?
0: Yeah, they can. They just keep growing new ones. It's like a head that can't eat. It's like their tail turns into this head that has eyes, and it's filled with sperm or eggs. And then, when it's the right moon cycle, they swim up to the surface and find a bunch of other sperm and egg sacs.
1: What do you mean, moon cycle?
0: How they know when to go up and there's like a mass swarm is controlled by the moon.
1: Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Okay, so part of the reason I'm talking about this is because the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute has a really good youtube channel and over christmas break i just watched so many videos because (laughs) they have such amazing videos and then they have these top-notch scientists talking about the animals and they're such weird animals and then at the bottom underneath the video there's really in-depth comments with more information and then if you want to know even more you can go and find the papers that they're talking about Wow. If you like marine biology, it's a and you like interesting marine animals, it's a really good YouTube channel. So, if you look up MBARI or Embari, their YouTube channel is awesome, but they talked a lot about polychaetes.
1: I'm going to look them up because I definitely am interested in this.
0: Yeah, my students really like the one where there's this polychaete swimming in the ocean and then they play the Sugar Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Stop. My students really freak out when I play that video because they're like, what's that music? I'm like, oh, it's for this majestic worm. (laughs) 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 uh, I recommend that one. But something that Imbari has discovered, some species, there's 15 of them, is bone-eating worms. Bone-eating worms? Bone-eating worms. So maybe this is the weirdest example to start with first, but... Excellent. These (laughs) worms, there's about 15 species. They don't have a stomach or a mouth because they secrete acid that allows them to burrow into bones. So they're discovered discovered on whale bones. They secrete this acid and burrow into the bone. And then their bacteria that they live with makes it so they can eat. It digests the fat and protein in the bone. So they can use it as nutrients.
1: But how do they get those nutrients if they don't have a mouth or a...
0: Well, they can absorb it. They can absorb those nutrients. And then... I'm trying to think how to explain this. I think that they could absorb these nutrients. Like when you eat bread, you can't just absorb a huge chunk of bread. You have to digest it. So you have to break it into smaller food particles so you can absorb it through your small intestine. Mm. So what they do is the bacteria, they must absorb these nutrients. The bacteria breaks it down for them and then the cells in their body, it's small enough that the cells can just absorb it and it doesn't have to be digested. So. Like, your bloodstream has just a bunch of tiny molecules that have already been digested, so your cells are just absorbing it from your bloodstream. Got it. Yeah, so I think that's what's happening there.
1: Can I ask another question? Yeah, definitely. Are they found in the bones of, like, discarded whale bones, like long dead whales, or, like, alive whales?
0: <laughs> no dead whales. Yeah, that's a good question. So they found out a dead whale carcass. Okay. They're just cruising. Well, these scientists just have robots that are looking around the deep sea. And they found this carcass, and then they found a bunch of species of the genus is Osidex, of These worms, these tube worms. And what else? Oh, but all, it turns out that all the worms you can see are female, because all the males are living inside them. So one female can have 50 to 100 males inside her. <laughs> you don't sound They're super tiny. I don't think they hurt her. Maybe they do. Uh, you did not sound excited about that.
1: Not uh, not always.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> oh, I was super excited about all this. So yeah, they live on dead whale bones and because they were there's been some debate like Maybe they're specialists that only eat whales. Maybe they're generalists that eat all vertebrate bones. But they found evidence of burrows of these worms in ancient marine birds and dinosaurs, like plesiosaurs. What? Yeah, so they've been around for a long time eating lots of different kinds of bones.
1: That's wild.
0: Yeah. So that's probably the weirdest. Another one is the bobbit worm. Mm
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: Do you know why it got that name you laughed
1: i just thought it was a cute name
0: oh well this worm grows like in average it's around three feet and one inch in diameter and it lives in this burrow but it has these really huge jaws and it stays buried in the sand and then when something comes by it just snaps it up and grabs it and drags it under it looks terrifying because all the pictures online are just close up of its jaws, and it's like, look at it eat this lionfish, it can cut it in half, it's really terrifying, but then you realize it's this really tiny worm. Um, (laughs) but it was called a Bobbit worm, because apparently, like, in the 90s, there was a woman who cut off her woman's penis, and her last name was Bobbit, and since no one cares about worms, they can name it that. (gasps) I don't know. I think you can get away with it when you're naming worms those things, but <laughs> oh my gosh! No, they named it that after her. So I'm when I was looking this up, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't get that reference. That I'm too young for this. But also, I'm so upset that I had to learn about this by looking up worms.
1: You know, now that you mention it, I think I have heard that story.
0: Yeah, well, it's not that interesting of a story. I think the worms are more interesting.
1: I mean, if you didn't, why would you even have a podcast like this? That's true. There's all these podcasts about like true crime and murder and stuff, and we're just over here talking about worms.
0: Yes. But for those of you out there who do care about Lorena Bobbitt, this draws it in. (laughs) Pop culture and zoology meet.
1: Excellent work. Excellent work. I tried. Speaking the people's language.
0: Oh yes, I try. Also, on the topic of names, there's also a polychete called squidworm. Stop. <laughs>
1: serious. Oh my god. Squidworm. <laughs> That's incredible.
0: Because it has ten tentacles around its face, and squids have ten tentacles. Or I guess squids have ten arms. No. Wiggly bits, tentacles. Yes, squids have ten. right? Ugh, it's gonna bother me. They have ten appendages. There you go. So, <laughs> and so do these squid worms. But really, the name is interesting. But as far as like the we- other weird polychaetes we've covered, I don't think there's anything too weird about these, other than someone was watching SpongeBob. Yes. It also marks this worm and when it was discovered, a timestamp. And uh, what are the other ones? There's also Christmas tree worms. They look like little Christmas trees.
1: I can't wait for all the visuals on this.
0: They live in live coral, and they're very beautiful. There's Pompeii worms, which live in very hot hydrothermal vents. So the tails of these worms um, are in temperatures that get up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah. And their heads, their heads stay in the cooler waters nearby, which are only 70 degrees Fahrenheit. But the way that they can live in these such high temperatures is they have really thick bacteria growth. These guys live in tubes most of the time. When you take them out of their tubes, they look fuzzy because they have bacteria that grows one centimeter thick. Whoa. It's really thick bacteria that protects them from these high temperatures. Like, looking at it, it looks fuzzy. Yeah, it's crazy. It looks so soft and fuzzy, and then you realize it's bacteria, and it's kind of weird. I don't know what a centimeter thick of bacteria. I don't even know what that looks like. It just must be slime.
1: Yeah, right?
0: And then another um, deep swelling. So those ones live in those hydrothermal vents. that get really hot. Another one is... Um, ice worms that live deep in the sea so there's these methane vents or i don't know what to call them there's a better word but it's where methane is trapped in water and it forms this ice-like structure so it's like frozen crystalline methane Mm -hmm. and then there's all those bacteria living on it and so these worms just eat that bacteria but the amazing thing is these worms can live, because they live in such weird conditions, they can last 96 hours without oxygen.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah. I think they need high pressure, so you couldn't just take them up on land. and they need to be wet. So I don't even know how they'd figure this out. Like, those poor worms, they're just like, I bet these guys can last without oxygen and tested it. I I'm trying to think. I had some other worms, but I feel like that's a lot of worms.
1: It's a decent amount of worms.
0: I decided to save some of the other worms for later because...
1: Oh.
0: Yep. There's some other cool ones that we can talk about, but maybe I can fit it in in another section. So, there's more. There's more where this came from. Some of them are really cute, like the sea mouse. It looks really fuzzy. It looks like a dust bunny... If a dust bunny lived underwater, that's what the sea mouse looks like. <laughs> it doesn't look like a worm. It looks like a scrub brush. So it's literally
1: a sea a sea mouse. Yeah. Dust bunny, sea mouse.
0: It does not look like a worm. Huh. Yeah, so you learned all about polychaetes today. I
1: did. I learned so much about them. I'm mostly just so thrilled that I finally now know what those things in the beach are.
0: Yeah, that's actually... Probably the most relatable to people because <laughs> those are the only things that live on land, right? I mean, people are like, "Oh, I love earthworms." It's like, yep, but there's more out there that you just can't see.
1: Well, that is very cool. Do you? Is there anything else you'd like to say about your worms, or are you saving it?
0: I think that's all for now. I feel like I'm like, like not doing these animals justice, though. What? I thought you would know something about them. No. But thinking back, I didn't know anything about them until I took invertebrate zoology, because I've lived in the middle of the country almost my entire life. These guys don't live in fresh water, so I would have never seen them going to Lake Michigan. Mm. There's a whole world out there that I didn't know about.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've established that I've seen them, but I didn't know I was seeing
0: them. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's other things, but I think... I'm pretty sure those are lugworms.
1: Yeah. I mean, you should also not expect me to know that much about invertebrates because I don't. I
0: don't know. I've looked up a lot of polychaete videos. (laughs) Sometimes I wish this was not an audio podcast, but it was more visual so I could just show some of the weird YouTube videos I have. I have a lot of them of um, mollusks, too. A lot of bivalve videos. A lot of bivalve videos. They're so cute. Wait, didn't I send you one? I think I sent you a scallop video for your birthday, didn't I? Oh,
1: you did. You did.
0: That's what I do in my spare time.
1: I really appreciated it. It was so cute.
0: Yeah. But anyway, this is an audio medium, so maybe.
1: Well, people got to look at the Insta or the blog.
0: Yeah. We'll put some pictures up.
1: We will. I'll do it in a timely fashion. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. I'm so intrigued. The thing that I wanted to talk about today was it's kind of cheating because I'm really just going to read this thing that a reporter wrote for the Washington Post. And I just thought you would love it so much. And it also made me laugh out loud and stop what I was doing and just read the whole thing, even though it's really long, not really long, but long for an article that I would actually read my dad sent this to me it's by christopher ingraham in the washington post and it is titled i I hope i can get through it i ordered a box of crickets from the internet and it went about as well as you'd expect oh no it was posted on december 28th 2018. for christmas this year my family adopted a young bearded dragon lizard as a pet our dragon whom we named holly eats a lot And the thing she loves to eat most is crickets, typically about 10 a day, in addition to other things like mealworms and vegetables. From the get-go, I knew that keeping an ample supply of crickets on hand would require some planning. We live in a rural area of northwestern Minnesota. The closest pet shop is an hour away in North Dakota. Restocking our cricket supply would require a time commitment of at least two hours out and back. By Christmas Day this year, Holly's cricket supply was running low. I decided to order crickets online, which I had never done before, to save a trip to North Dakota. I bought the crickets from Fluker Farms, one of the more well-established online insect vendors. Yes, these exist, and there are a lot of them. Yeah, I know Fluker Farms. I I thought you might. (laughs) I decided on a shipment of 250 crickets, which seemed like a reasonable amount for a lizard who was theoretically capable of gobbling up to 50 of them every day. I opted for next day shipping to ensure there was no gap in Holly's cricket supply. But the package ended up getting delayed by a fierce blizzard that roared through the northern plains this week, dumping up to a foot of snow and sending temperatures plunging below zero. I'm sure you remember that. Mm -hmm. The cricket box ended up spending an unplanned overnight at a FedEx sorting facility in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I feared they would all be dead on arrival. The package arrived Friday. I anxiously met the FedEx delivery man at the door. He appeared to be relieved to emburden himself of the six-inch square box emblazoned with the words live insects and decorated with life-size cricket silhouettes. (laughs) We exchanged no words. If you're a FedEx driver, you probably try to avoid conversations with the types of people who order boxes full of insects from the internet. Having never ordered internet crickets before, I naively assumed that I'd open the box and find the crickets in some sort of sealed bag or other contraption to facilitate easy transfer to their final storage place. I also assumed that given the near-zero temperatures we were experiencing that morning, any crickets in the box would be groggy and disoriented and easy to manage. I was wrong on both counts. I cut open the tape and opened the cardboard flaps and was greeted by dozens of beady little cricket eyes staring eagerly up at me. I had a brief vision of the aliens in the claw machine from Toy Story before the crickets started doing what they usually do when they are suddenly exposed to light, hopping all over the place. I quickly closed the flaps. This was a conundrum. There was no immediate way for me to transfer 250 clearly active and ravenously hungry crickets from the box to the shallow plastic container we store them in at home. The only solution would be to grab a spare fish tank we had out in the shed, which would take a bit of time, requiring a trip outside in the deep snow and chilling cold. Back at my desk, after all, I had a nearly finished story that was due to my editor. Rather than upend my workday for the sake of $11.50 worth of internet crickets, I decided to retape the box and store it in a secure location until I had time to deal with it. Besides my wife, Brianna, and me, our house is home to five-year-old twins, a one-year-old, three large cats, one beagle-basset mix, and one lizard. There was only one place where I thought I could put the cricket box without it getting overturned or split open by a child or an animal—the bathroom adjacent to our kitchen— I put the crickets in the cabinet above the toilet and went back to work. For about 20 minutes, everything was quiet.
0: I feel like this is going to get really bad. It is! (laughs) There's just like this feeling of dread I have.
1: Just as I was about to file my story, I heard Brianna in the kitchen utter the following words. Where do these crickets keep coming from? No. I should point out here that I told her offhandedly that I had bought crickets online, but I hadn't told her when they'd arrive and arrived and she hadn't been around when FedEx came. At this point, I reasoned there was no crisis, that she had probably encountered one or two stray crickets that had hopped out when I initially opened the box, so I decided to keep working. In retrospect, once again, this was a mistake. As I was making final edits to the story, I continued to hear increasingly frantic cricket-related outbursts from the kitchen. Brianna later told me that when she she first realized something was terribly wrong, when one of the cats suddenly leaped onto a pumpkin pie that had been warming on the countertop. It was going after an unusually large cricket that was munching the filling. Eventually, the commotion was too much to ignore. I went to the kitchen. Brianna whipped around to face me, wild-eyed. So, uh, remember when I said I ordered some crickets, I said? They got here today. Yes, I see the crickets are here, she said. Why are they all over the kitchen? Huh, I said. "'That is weird. Let me check something.' I I walked over to the bathroom. I opened the door. There were crickets. Everywhere. No, Crickets on the floor. Crickets on the walls. Crickets in the sink. Crickets in the toilet. A clump of at least twelve crickets were attempting to cram themselves underneath the baseboard. A cricket jumped at me from the stack of folded washcloths on the shelf. Two crickets appeared to be chasing each other around the plunger. The clear crickets in the toilet were propelling themselves around the bowl at an astonishing speed. The only thing <laughs> This is so hard for me. I'm like crying already.
0: You're doing very well.
1: Thank you. The only thing I could think to do is flush the toilet and close the door. Don't come in here! I yelled. <laughs> no. My voice was unnaturally high from trying to force myself to sound nonchalant evidently i had not resealed the box as well as i should have later inspection also revealed that in my haste to ascertain the cricket's condition i had opened the box from the wrong side despite the presence of large arrows indicating the proper side with an all caps warning that read see inside flap for care instructions there was nothing to do now but execute the spare fish tank protocol on an emergency basis i threw on my boots ran out to the shed and grabbed the spare tank I brought it back to the bathroom, threw the box inside it, and began scooping up the strays wherever I could find them. Roughly 45 minutes later, the bathroom was clear. But in the interim, the earlier escapees had begun migrating elsewhere. There were crickets in the kitchen closet, crickets in a pile of shoes, crickets making their way downstairs to the kids' playroom. The cats were in a state of high alert, having what I can only imagine was the greatest day of their lives. (laughs) I tried to collect all of them. It was like the world's worst game of Pokemon. Well after the initial cleanup concluded, crickets kept turning up in inconvenient locations throughout the day. They were in the playroom and under the couch. There's presumably a contingent somewhere in the walls. At one point, I heard a five-year-old shout gleefully from the bathroom, There's another cricket in the toilet! I shared this story on Twitter last night as a form of life insurance. I told my followers that if they did not see any tweets from me this weekend, they should assume it was because my wife murdered me after finding a cricket in our bed in the middle of the night. It resonated well beyond what I expected. Perhaps this is because, as writer Nicole Cliff observed, in every relationship, there is the accidental cricket releaser person, and the where are all these damn crickets coming from person. Look in your soul and ask, which am I?
0: Oh, that's deep.
1: (laughs) I'm happy to report that as a Saturday afternoon, I am alive. The lizard is well-fed. The cats are sleeping deeply. The Ingraham household is finally still. But something's chirping in the bathroom.
0: (laughs) Oh, that was pretty good. I didn't know how it was going to end. I just knew- Wait, is that- Are you done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my worst cricket experience- So, when I was living in Nebraska, there was one pet store. Mm. Um. Within, like, an hour's drive. Yeah. So this one was Tin Town. So we'd feed... I worked in an entomology lab, and we'd feed the tarantulas crickets. So I went there, and they fill up a plastic... If you've... I don't think you've gotten crickets before. No. What they do, you're like, I want two dozen crickets. We didn't get that many, because tarantulas don't eat that much. Good to know. So they take a little scoop... And they go to a fish tank full of crickets, and they just tap a bunch into the plastic bag, and then they fill it with air. So it's like this little mini container yeah. of crickets. Well, he, one day he filled it. It was like we were actually doing a cricket experiment. Like, do crickets like light or dark? With a bunch of elementary school students, mm-hmm. so we got forty crickets, and he filled up the bag too much with air, and it popped. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> he, this says a lot about this establishment. Um, he's like, "Oh darn it!" <laughs> <laughs> then he kind of like haphazardly swept up crickets. He's like, oh, that's never happened before. And then he gave me more crickets, but because it was such this grubby little dirty shop, <laughs> there were lots of little yeah, there were a lot of places for them to hide, and he'd not get all those crickets. <laughs> it was not she, it was like, not nah, a place like PetSmart, it's like <laughs> a little house with a concrete floor.
1: Oh my goodness! Crammed
0: full of animal cages. And now there's a bunch of crickets running around.
1: Oh, my goodness. Do you believe him (laughs) when he said that's never happened before? You don't believe him? No, do you? Yeah, I did.
0: He was pretty nonchalant about it, though.
1: Well, that's why I'm saying a little surprised, that reaction. I know.
0: Well, he just got, you know, too overconfident.
1: Yeah, he had to, like, play it cool after that to, like...
0: Yeah. So...
1: Wow, that's an excellent companion anecdote to this story.
0: Oh, so that's I don't feed crickets to my lizard. I feed mealworms, but mm. I've definitely spilled mealworms on the floor. They're a lot easier to clean up though. Oh, before you tell everyone where they can look for pictures and contact us. This is we're going to a every other week schedule, I think. Is that what you agreed on?
1: Yes. I would just like everyone to remember that we don't get paid for this, and I just edit these in my own free time, which, like, I don't necessarily have copious amounts of. I just do it for fun, but I'm also perfectionist, so it takes a minute.
0: Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I was thinking about that the other day. I know I don't do the editing, which is a lot of work, I know, but we were – I was teaching um, my students about brain waves, because I'm teaching human physiology right now. Mm-hmm. And thinking about, I think it was our second podcast where I talked about brainwaves and lizards. Yeah. I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't want to go back and listen to it. I don't think I said anything wrong, but some of the words coming out of my mouth, I didn't understand them. But when I get paid to do it, I do a good job. So I think I did a good job teaching those kids too. But I feel very confident of that. There's a lot more pressure because I'm, I'm afraid they'll write bad reviews at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like getting reviews. Grace is nice, but she doesn't know what she's talking about when she talks about brainwaves. But I don't get those reviews from our podcast listeners.
1: No. We have five stars currently. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Beautiful people. All right. This has been Fauna Facts with Grace and Mads. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe and rate us five stars because you love us. You love our witty, charismatic banter. I've heard we've got great chemistry. I'm never going to let that go. For visuals, Inst- Instagram is just Podcast. Our blog is FaunaFactsPodcast.blogspot.com. So go to the blog. If you don't have Instagram, Instagram. And then if you want to email us and for some strange reason you don't know us in real life, feel free to shoot us an email at faunafactspodcast at gmail And thank you all very much. I'm going to get my life together and release these regularly. Yay. All right. Bye. Bye.